from Courtside of the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 376. Andrew with you once again. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host, fellow NLSC team member and the curator of the NLSC Top 10 Plays of the Week is Derek. You also know him in the forum as Deeper 3 and Deeper 384 on Twitter. No, I'm happy to be here again and I'm super excited that we were able to bring the Top 10 Plays of the Week back. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a while too. It's been a while since we've done it, so it's. Uh, I'm glad that you you suggested it and brought it back, and you know I, I appreciate you spearheading that uh, initiative and curating it because it's. Uh, you know, we, we, I think it's a pretty decent start. We had, you know, we, we put together some highlight reels of our plays, and it kind of inspired the whole thing, I guess. And yeah, pretty decent uh, return episode, I think. Well, one night I was going through the NLSC channel, um, and I was like, "What was Andrew doing back then?" And I don't know if Jao Ming had his hands on it or Ben or, or whatnot um, either, but uh, I'm looking through, I'm looking at the videos from years ago. I wanted to see how far back everything went. And I saw some of those top 10 plays, plays videos. And I want to say that the last time you guys were doing it was over five years ago. And I was like, I remember asking you, I was like, why'd we stop that? Um, and I thought, hey, you know what? I, th- I think it would be great to see the community's highlights because we don't see a lot m- anymore We don't on the NLC. Uh, we don't see the video sections filling up. Even for the newer games like, you know, NBA 2K21 and whatnot, it, people are hardly using that section at all. So it's kind of sad. Um, but what's beautiful is, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get it going again, but what's beautiful is, is um, you know, I had some submissions right away. Um, from people that heard we were trying to get it going again. And, and I just want to say thank you to you, to those people who sent me those videos. You know, the Live King, um, Sticky Fingers, responded to the tweet right away with the Bill Russell tip-in highlight. Um, people from, who were working on the 2K19 roster, right when they heard about it, I got highlights from Hornets on Fire and um, and uh, Stildo, etc. So, you know... Community part- participation is that is uh, everything. And how cool was it to get that NBA Live 97 highlight? Oh, absolutely. And especially on the, the late Bobby Phils as well was, was a nice uh, nice tribute. But th- that's something we want to really stress here is that with the with this top 10, it's open to all games. You know, we, we want to see highlights. I mean, yes, obviously, the, the further you go back, the, the, the animations may not be so impressive, the graphics, whatever. But the plays, the actual experience, I and mean, we're going to be talking about that today, what makes the, ex- the excitement on the virtual hardwood uh, beyond a-, a cool animation triggering, because obviously animations have gotten better over time. But still, that feeling, you can feel the emotion of getting that, uh, that what was a game winner with Bobby Phils in, in Live uh, 97. Once again, you can check that out on the main page, the forum, and our uh, YouTube channel, NBA Live Series Center on YouTube. Uh, yeah, just so awesome. Yeah, and you... <laughs> You don't even have to be the one that does it. If it's a great highlight and it's well executed, you don't even have to be the one that executed it to like feel it. Relatable I, content, I yeah. Explain. Like like the number one highlight on the top ten this week, you just felt that. But like oomph. you felt the yeah. excitement. Oomph in that, yeah. And, oh my god, yeah. And you know the the amazing sound effects when it happens and uh, all of that stuff. It's like this is awesome. And, you know, you, you also hope, you know, 
or remember, oh, I, I did that at one point and it was amazing. Or you go, you know, oh boy, boy, when I put that game on again, I hope I can get a dunk like that. There's just a lot of cool elements to it. Uh, and I, like you said, variety is key. Like we want people who play live 2001, 2004, you know, 2K6 or, or whatever. You know, you guys send us your highlights because we want all games represented. You know, we will put double dribble highlights in there, but not not too many corner threes. Come on, don't cheese people. I mean, the first time somebody sends us a corner <laughs> three, we'll probably include it for nostalgia. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. But when, when you shoot like ninety percent on those, it doesn't. It's not really a highlight anymore. No, so, no, it's uh, it. It, it's just represented with the modern NBA. Some might say. Right, and I know the cut scenes are cool and double dribble, but. I mean, there's only four or five of them. There's like four of them. So, yeah, we're probably not going to use too many of those. But, yeah, if you guys want to send us a double dribble highlight, yeah. I mean, there's still, think about it, though, not to go on a rant here about double dribble, but there could still be something that was cool about double dribble because maybe you got like a steal, they stole it back, you stole it again because you're just running through each other's bodies, hitting the steal button, and then maybe you hit like a game winner from half court or something. And if you make a full court shot in that game, sure. You know, that's, that's going to look cool. Right, because Bobby Phil's, that, that Bobby Phil's highlight that made the top 10 this week, it was it's on NBA Live 97 for Sega, right? So, or Super Nintendo. And that's a very, that's overall kind of a primitive game, gameplay-wise, but that highlight's awesome because it's Bobby Phil's down by two, pulling up from... Uh, a few feet inside half court and hitting a game winner. And right as the ball goes through the net, it says end of game. And that's really cool. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be talking again about the, what makes a spectacular play on the virtual hardwood. We're going to be talking about more adventures with NBA live 10 and fantasy teams, maybe some modes that we wish would come back. uh, like the fantasy teams mode in NBA live 10 uh, before we get to that, quick news rundown. It's obviously between the previous season and the, re- the release of the latest game, and not much going on at the moment, but we'll note that NBA 2K21 Current Gen has received a patch uh, on PC that also includes cross-play with Epic Games. Epic Games and Steam users will now have cross-play automatically matched up with cross-play. Uh, you can also link your Epic Games account to your Steam account and send uh, cross-platform invites as well. There's also likeness updates and, uh, and actually, as, as far as Epic Games, until May 27th, I believe, Derek, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, yes, May 27th, uh, NBA 2K21 PC is free on that platform, if people want to claim that, and uh, you're not, you're not going to get a better price than free. It's a great way for them to get people onto their platform who are not already on the platform, hmm. and to promote their other titles. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, the other thing, too, about Epic Games Launcher, too, is that it's also where you can just, like, download Unreal Engine. If you ever wanted to try to get into like game making or, or something like that, they have it right there in the launcher to download. But um, no, it's a smart marketing strategy. And I actually received a PM right away from uh, Old Style 2K, and he goes, you know, he on the NLC, and he said, hey, you know, NBA 2K21 is free, and he wanted to let me know right away um, because I think it was before you put the promotion out there or the the announcement out there that it was. So I appreciated that PM. But, yeah, there's a lot of people out there who've been wanting to get the PC version and waiting for it to go on sale. Well, you can't get a better sale than free. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people that want to get into modding, uh, who are to experience modding. 
and whatnot, but didn't want to put the, the, the money into a PC version, and now they can. So by getting it for free. So that's pretty cool. The only better deal you could possibly get is to be paid to play, but unless you're in the NBA 2K League, that's that's not really, probably not going to happen. I mean, outside of streaming, I suppose, if you're making money off streaming. But apart from that, you you would still need to buy the game. So, yeah, it's uh, can't beat can't beat that deal. I just can't watch the 2K League. It ha- it has yeah. its, uh, <laughs> its problems. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before this call. I just it definitely has its problems, ba- gameplay wise, balance wise, etc. It hasn't really gotten better, in my opinion since you know like 2k18 when it first came out it just it just the action is just out of control it is and we've gone into the reasons why before so we we won't recap them here but uh, we are going to be focusing on the positive this week the the highlights we've been having with nba live 10 and other games because we have been spending more time with nba live 10 it continues to be our retro gaming jam our kick at the moment that we're on and oh it's just been so fun to do and i'm really glad that my you know, I don't want to take too much credit here, especially since you're the one putting together all the video clips, uh, all, the, all the highlight reels, Derek. But uh, I'm glad that my fantasy team's idea worked out as well as it did because, man, was that an epic clash. The highlights that came out of that game were, were so satisfying to, to watch back. I've watched, there's one in particular that I like. You know I like that one, um, which we'll get into in a moment, I'm sure. But so many highlights coming out of that game. Uh, we've shared it on our social media, on YouTube. It's gotten some nice responses so far from people who obviously want to see NBA Live come back and other people that think it just looks cool as well. Uh, but, but man, even if we weren't creating content based on it, what a fun game that was. Yeah, we even had a tweet that um, said, you know, I want to thank, you know, D for 384 and Andrew NLSC for um, basically like the NBA Live 10 gameplay for like the reminder that NBA Live 10 is still a gem. And, and I think one thing that's really cool is that both of us kind of came to a deeper appreciation for the game by doing this. And how cool is that at different on different parts of the world? Yeah. Like then we were able to experience that together. So uh, Parsec is a gem. We don't have it working 100% perfect, but we have it working pretty damn good. And the, you know, we were able to get a game of NBA 2K 12 in, um, which we had its ups and downs, but it was still, it was still a fun game. And I mean, we were that, able to that, get that shot that with Mello that you hit, but the step back to, at the buzzer. Well, I was starting to get used to the controls again. See, the thing is, is when you, and I talked to you about this after, you know, when you go from playing NBA Live 10, like we did, we played like five, six games before that, um, you know, before we played, booted up 2K12, you know, earlier in the week and whatnot. You, you go from right stick dribbling to bumper dribbling in like the ISO motion and you go from being able to execute and have more control on NBA live 10 to NBA 2k 12, where you're tapping the bumper or holding the bumper down um, and executing that way. It takes a little bit to adjust. Like there was no way in hell I was going to pull off that Carmelo Anthony third quarter buzzer beater, that move. There was no way in hell I would have done that earlier in the game because I was still trying to get reacclimated to the to the buttons but we had a good game on 2k12 and then like you said we had that fantasy idea only six minute quarters wish we had played a little bit longer but i think my favorite thing about the game was my bench which you would think it would be my starters but my bench played far better and you know being able to go at you with video game legend troy murphy who scored 14 points in the game um you know on drives and jacking up threes and 
um, you know, hitting a few threes with Eddie House and, you know, turning back the clock with Ricky Davis, throwing an up fake and going in for a two-handed jam. Yeah, it was more fun using those guys. And that's the great thing about video games, right? So, it, it, yeah, really, it really, I, I really, really is. It. it really is. And I had the same experience because we were using our bench in the fourth quarter. We were alternating. So we, in crunch time, we were relying on the, the second string, the, the plays that we chose uh, that, that weren't legends or, uh, or the top plays in, uh, in NBA history, if not the club history, as the case may be. And we, we have talked about the uh, – when we, when we posted the highlights on social media, we did talk about the, the concept, but just to run through it really quickly – uh, we were using the fancy teams mode in NBA Live 10. Uh, in 08 and 09, it was known as Quick Pick Play. Basically a replacement of the really old school custom teams idea where you get you can pick two NBA teams and then just fill them. It, it used to be back the, the they'd have the jammers, the slammers, the blockers and the stealers in the early days of NBA Live. But the, the, the concept as it was in those last few games on 360 and PS3 was you could pick an NBA team and, and fill it uh, 10 players, not, not, not 12 as usual, but just 10 players with uh, from any team. Um, you, you can't use the free agents at all. You, ha- you have to, uh, They have to be assigned to an NBA team, but you can pick players, put, put a fantasy lineup together uh, w- without having to make trades in the rosters. So that's nice that you don't have to... Uh... It's an amazing touch. It's an amazing touch. It's, it's that, should, that mode should be in every basketball video game, in my opinion. It's, it's fun. It's quick. It doesn't make you have to save rosters. It doesn't make you have to go in and trade players, reorder rosters, anything like that. It's like, hey, choose your team, choose your players, and let's go. And it only took a couple minutes. It was great. Absolutely. So the concept we ran with was all-time Celtics versus all-time Bulls. We decided to go both back and forward. So I was using Dwayne Wade, even though obviously as of NBA Live 10, he had never played for the Bulls yet, but we, we went into the future and into the past based on players that were in the rosters. So, of course, no Pippen, no Jordan, no, no Bird, and, uh, and so forth for, for you and I to use. But I, I, th- I still think it worked as an idea to have the, have the Bulls and Celtics alumni in there with the fantasy teams. Uh, just going head-to-head, we did decide, uh, you, you threw out the suggestion, and I thought it was a great idea to alternate between benches and starters for first and third and second and fourth quarters. As I said, resulted in the fourth quarter coming down to our, our video game legends and our bench. And it, it was a real throwback for me once again to my Live 06 dynasty with Ben Gordon and, and Kirk Heinrich there coming off the uh, coming off the bench and the uh, the dagger by Heinrich uh, swinging it over from uh, from Gordon to Heinrich to hit that dagger shot to um, basically seal the game although it there was still a bit of back and forth uh, from there and just the great competition both of us playing clean uh, both of us you know being sportsmanlike with it uh, playing with his video game legends uh, the highlights the some of those Dwayne Wade dunks uh, Shaq spinning, in, you know, the, the Shaq spin in the post for the, to the big Shaq attack. Uh, Paul Pierce hitting big shots. Ray Allen kind of let you down. Well, he's when he had zero points. Troy Murphy had fourteen points and Ray Allen had zero. But yeah, Kirk Heinrich's a video game legend in our house. Um, I used to draft him all the time. He was my legend, um, and I still take him. Uh, when so he's solid player in video games. Um, really solid player, um, leader, defensive tenacity, good shooter. Um, I've always been a fan of Heinrich. So, yeah, he did hit that shot, but I'm still a fan. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I liked it. Um, my star, you, you had the advantage of slashing. Remember which Dwayne Wade you had right there, by the way. Yeah, prime That Wade. is like, MVP candidate, ridiculous Dwayne Wade. Um, and I just couldn't stop you going to the hoop. I, I had that nice block party play where I blocked you twice. Um, but 
I just couldn't stop you going to the hoop. And my starters felt so sluggish. Ray Allen failed me. Pierce was slow. Uh, I chose Billups as my starting point guard, and he was worse than Eddie House. Um, yeah. And I got out-rebounded big time by, like, Joakim Noah and Pogasol and Tyson Chandler killed me on the on the boards. Yeah. Uh, that that yeah, was a big, ev- big advantage for me. Yeah. And then some, yeah, some pretty uh, foul goals as well. Some... Oh, yeah. The, but you know what, though? You know what's fun, though? No, like, like you said, not only are we good sports about it, but we're also playing the right way. And I think there's something to be said about not just going to the same player all the time, right? Oh, and yeah. And not go to the same type of play all the time. There, there's something to be said about using your pieces, using your pieces to your strength, um, and, and just, like, kind of, like, playing the right way. And that's why I dr- watching, like, games that don't support that. Live supports that, by the way. But watching, ga- like, 2K League gameplay, where the guys are just dribbling out of, the, out of control, and there's just wide-open lanes everywhere, and it's just this unbelievable cheese fest, and it has been really since 2K18 for the 2K League and whatnot. It's why that watching that type of basketball drives me absolutely nuts because when I watch our gameplay of even 2K12, but like NBA Live 10, and people watch uh, the gameplay um, when my brothers and I are against each other and whatnot, it's just a complete, it's like night and day. It's completely different. Um, so no, I've really enjoyed the games on NBA Live 10. And, and I think one of the biggest things is you and I having this such such a deeper appreciation for the game um, and its mechanics and the feel uh, and whatnot, and I think that's kind of cool. Well, the funny thing is, is I'm actually having more fun with NBA Live 10 now, playing it with you, and, and I've, I've had gone back and played some games against the CPU on, on 360, but playing it over Parsec with you, I think I've had more fun with it in these past couple of weeks than I had when it was new. Yeah, I am too. No, I absolutely am. And my brother soured on it, and I agree. They didn't play it, really. And the reason was is because we weren't able to all start a, a season together, you know, like we could on the old live games. So, um, you know, like we weren't able to use our own separate teams and do a draft and all of that stuff. So, like, I played it, but I didn't play it that much back then either because they weren't playing it. So getting this, you know, exposure to it now, and it's also disappointing in a way because you see <laughs> – you see how much potential it had. Like, Definitely, yeah. I, I'll be honest with you, I think the gameplay overall is more balanced than NBA 2K10. And 2K10 also doesn't have the right stick dribbling, and, and Live 10 does. I think that Live 10, from a gameplay perspective right now, I'm enjoying it more than 2K10. And it's really sad to see what happened, right? You're playing this game and you're like, man, you know, it's 11 years later, 10 or 11 years later, and we're having a blast playing this game because the gameplay still holds up today. What could they have done if they had built off of it? It's just it's it's, sad. It's one of those frustrating what-ifs with the NBA Live series. As we said last week when we first touched on this, it's, it's, it is a what-if situation. If they had stuck with that, if they hadn't gone to the reboot with Elite 11, if they hadn't gone with a hockey idea, the, if they hadn't brought in someone from the NHL series to work on a basketball game, a, a baffling decision uh, th- then and now. But but even in, after, after we've seen wh- where it led, 
even more so, even more frustrating. But at least we can go back. And, and to your point, because Dynasty wasn't as deep, and, and I would have just been playing it single player at the time, so I, I didn't need all the, the multiplayer options that uh, you desired and that you, you, that you and your brothers needed. But even with Dynasty for a, a single player like myself at the time, you know, the, the sim engine is broken. Uh, cover player Dwight Howard barely averages 12 points a game most of the time. A lot, a lot of the bigs don't. The, the shot distribution in simulation isn't uh, isn't great. There is a point guard domination issue in that game again with the CPU uh, as well. Uh, there's there's a problem with the academy. There's no drills that actually allow you to improve shooting in the academy. Uh, so there's a lot of problems like that with Live Ten with the modes. The gameplay, however, is a lot of fun. But there's only so much you can do. You know what you and your brothers could have done local play, local multiplayer, I suppose, especially since you do like the the fantasy drafts and the, and the dynasty and the, the franchise experience from that perspective. But you and I, there is a certain novelty, is there not playing, uh, playing cross con, you know, across the world like this. So so I think that we are getting a, a greater appreciation for the game because it does hold up quite well, even graphically. I mean, yes, it is aged, but it doesn't look bad by any stretch of the imagination. But there is a certain novelty in how we're doing it. There is, and, and there's two things I want to recommend to anybody listening to this podcast, and I mean everybody. Parsec is better than Steam Play Together. Oh, yeah. Bottom line. 100%. Uh, and, and I mean by a lot. I, I'm not joking, people. My recommendation is it's very lightweight. It's a very lightweight application. It takes just a couple of minutes to download. It's super easy to set up. You don't have to worry about privacy or anything like that, like privacy infringement download parsec and if you're on the nlsc forums maybe make a post or something like that try to get somebody to play with you um and give it a try because it is amazing the fact that you and i are able to play at this high quality where the game looks great overall it works really solid etc and we're on different parts of the uh, different parts of the world and you can see my entire desktop and we can play anything by the way we can play Steam games, we can play emulator games, all of that stuff. It's a no-brainer, so please download Parsec if you're interested in that sort of thing. It blows away Steam Play together. Um, the other thing, too, I wanted to say is Action, Marillus Action Game Recorder is on sale right now for $19.99. I can't even tell you U.S. dollars, $20 U.S. dollars. I can't even tell you how much of a steal that is for that software. You've seen me use it to record our highlights I have, while yeah. we're playing. It sounds like I'm advertising for them. No, NLSC is not sponsored by Morales Action or Parsec. But but it could be the high the quality. But it could be the quality of the videos is unbelievable. Again, lightweight application. It doesn't hurt frame rate. All of that stuff. You can do time shift to save what happened 10, 15, 20 seconds before if you want. Super easy to set up. For anybody that loves the top 10 and says, I want to record highlights and I, you know, I don't have anything to record them with or what I have isn't good enough, 20 bucks. Spend it, download action, Merlis action, and that's going to be the way you'd want to record your gameplay. It's just, I can't even tell you, Andrew and I get done a game and he's still looking at my desktop. And I can show him all the highlights from that game right after the game in order in which they happen. It's just in 1080p, 60 FPS. It also records in 4K. It's just great. So I didn't want to go on a, on, on a huge rant there, but I don't think people understand how great 
um, this software is, Parsec and Marillus Action, and how easy it is to get them and set up. Oh for, oh, oh, for sure. And it's important we put this information out there for the community because not everybody knows the right tools to make. And, and you know, Mavavi, uh, the video editor that you use, I'm thinking of getting that to replace Pinnacle, uh, Pinnacle Studio 16, which is a, the 2012 one that I'm still getting by with. And it, it does the job. I, I can make, a, I, I can do pretty much anything I want with, with Pinnacle. But it, it is an older software. It is a bit clunky. Uh, you need to import videos to the library, whereas you can just drag and drop with Mavavi. Uh, so yeah, I'm thinking of making that switch myself because it's uh, yeah, it's it's a much better, well, much uh, much better ease of use from what I've seen. Yeah, so just to let people know too, to, to make the top ten videos that I've been making, I use Mavavi Video Suite, which is what Andrew's talking about. It's relatively inexpensive; it's it's fair priced, but like it's a lot it's a lot cheaper than Vegas Pro. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And I've used some of the recent versions of Vegas Pro. In fact, I got one for. Um, for Christmas Movavi video suite as far as ease of use and what I can do and how fast I can do it blows it away and Vegas Pro by the way was 88 bucks on sale at the time but it, it it's on Steam for like 350 bucks and Movavi's better than it for me so um, I definitely recommend that Andrew knows how fast I can do it I can basically take highlights from our games throw them in the editor I've shown him it how to do it you know, I, I can throw them in Vovavi Video Suite, and I can make a video in, like, five minutes sometimes. And re- all great quality, ready to upload to YouTube. So that's the other thing. If you want to get the full package, if you want to be able to get the highlight taker and, you know, make videos for your YouTube and stuff like that, Movavi um, Video Suite in action would be the way to go. You talk about the highlights and being able to show show me the highlights as you're before you've even started to really compile a video, just just bringing them up on uh, over Parsec, and it, it's just so fun to watch them again straight away. So it, it's been great to see them because obviously I've just experienced them, but sometimes with, when there's a bit of been a bit of a lag on my end, uh, it hasn't really played out uh, with with the full frame rate, and it hasn't looked as good. Uh, and it's, it's looked pretty good, but then I've seen it as you've seen it with the, with the full frame rate and, and the the clip that you've captured. And, oh, you know, live t- again, Live 10, tw- 11, 12 years old, coming up on 12 years old now, which is kind of mind-blowing to, to think about. But it still holds up, even though there are some primitive animations. Uh, live has always had less animations than... Or for a long time, Live has had less animations and, and less variety in its dunk animations and layup animations, for example, compared to what 2K was starting to do at the time. And it's one of those reasons that a lot of people... One of those criticisms, I should say, that people have had of Live over the past decade or so is, is the animation quality and variety. Uh, but nevertheless, the highlights we've been getting are very exciting. I mean, certainly they're exciting to us, and they seem to be resonating with other people as well. Uh, my favourite, obviously, and I've, I don't know if I've mentioned it on Twitter, I've certainly mentioned it to you a lot, is the uh, the steal I had with Derek Rose poking it loose and, and picking it up and running it out on the break for the, uh, the big two-handed dunk. And, I mean, that is a fairly common dunk that you can throw down in Live 10. And the steal itself is, I mean, it's okay. I've, I timed it pretty well, I felt, and, and was able to pick up the loose ball. And it, it's a nice-looking play. I mean, you could have a, 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 it could look better in a recent 2K game, but there's something about that play that was exciting, even though it's more, even though the graphics are more primitive, Derek. That, that play, and, and yes, there was the excitement of, yes, it's Derek Rose, and it's a dunk, and it's... It's me doing it, and it was me succeeding at the game, which is always... There's an emotional attachment to it to some extent. But that... It looked cool. I sent that to uh, to Leo, to Valor. 
and he's a Derek Rose fan as well, so again, there's a bit of bias there, but he thought it was really cool and that it held up pretty well, but if nothing else, could appreciate the play. And that's something that people don't always realize about basketball video games, that even when they look old, ancient, as some people might say, um, not mentioning names, Jim Ryan, but uh, even when they are dated, there's something about them that that can make highlights still cool like that. And it's why we do open up the top 10 to the older games. And it's interesting how even with limited animations, because even even in the new NBA 2K games, there's only so many animations you can put into a game every year before it's released. But even so, it's it's using the scenarios and the context of, of what's happening on the floor, the virtual hardwood or blacktop, that makes these plays exciting. I have a couple things to say. First off, the, the reason why the, the Rose play is special, not only because you're a Chicago Bulls fan and you were a big Derrick Rose fan and you were a fan of the team at the time, um, but it's because it's something that Derrick Rose would do. Right. At, at yeah. that point in his career, you know, the athletic pre-injury growth, hell, he'd still do that now. Um, but, you know, getting that steal and beating the opposing team up the floor and, you know, finishing with a jam. And I think there's a realistic element of that. And like you said, there's always this thing of I succeeded and, and um, nothing says I succeeded more than defense to offense. Like, we love those defense-to-offense plays, like the Live King submitted one where he got a block on one end and then um, threw an alley-oop on the other end and finished it. Defense-to-offense always feels great. The other point that I wanted to make was I don't want to talk about Live 10 like it's that primitive, and I don't want to talk about games from that time being so primitive animation-wise because of the issues that I see animation-wise since we've had 2K18, right? And, you know... Uh, the players running like hunched over like they have like a back issue and like they're like they they don't look human running down the floor um in a couple of the recent 2ks um they fixed it a little bit in 2k21 next gen um the dribbling looking completely out of control and the ball warping hands i actually think the dribbling often looks better in nba live 10 than it does in nba 2k21 because it looks more realistic it looks more in control um and as a user sometimes you have more control over it because again you're not being sucked in like how often do you feel like you're being sucked in on nba live 10 like sucked into other players never really not really that's not game but that's been a huge problem in some of the recent 2k games so sure things they can have quote unquote less animations but do you really have more you know do you have less control no often you actually have more control and what is so important to to gameplay for the gamer is that control yeah right um so it's one of the reasons why i was actually looking forward to jumping back into nba live 10 over nba 2k 12 um, you know, after we played 2K12, because I knew that what was I going to have with my dribbling? Control. So, like, people can say inferior, or this doesn't have as many animations, or blah, 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 blah. But something has, there's something to be said about control. And you know what? All of those sucking in animations that happen in, the, in like, NBA 2K20, NBA 2K21, etc., the skating that's still present next gen, but still incredibly there in the PC version of 2K21. Um, That stuff in the, 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 so many canned animations that is inferior to games from the past, too many games from the past. So it's just another case of, you know, everything, something that's new is not always better. Like I can pick out things that I like 
better about some of the newer NBA 2Ks. Like, let's put it this way. That Larry Nance dunk that Hornets on Fire submitted, you can't do that in Live 10. No. <laughs> that is a dick, That is not happening in NBA Live 10, right? But Live 10 has better foot planning than 2K19. So, like, I can say this is better in Live 10, but this is better in 2K19, and you can go about it that way. Not everything is better because it's new. You know, Let's you, put it that way. You bring up an interesting point there about realism because you, you're right. It's some, the, the Rose play I enjoyed and the other play, plays that we enjoyed from that game, we enjoyed them because they are things that would happen with those plays. And, and if you were able to bring all those plays together like that, that might be how the game goes down. And when, when you compare and contrast that with more recent games, take the, uh, the Ron Artest crossover, the crossover I made into the dunk, which was, I, I think we both enjoyed that play. I mean, maybe me more than you because it was my scoring. <laughs> it was my, my basket that did it. But the, the quick crossover with Artest to the left hand, rising up for the, the, uh, the facial dunk, uh, what a great play. That was an amazing play, and, and maybe it's not something that you'd see Ron Artest do that much, just like that Vern Fleming self alley-oop mm. um, from Big Ticket 0521. But still, it's okay for stuff like that to happen every now and then. It right? is. It is. Uh, when it's realistic, right? Like me backing you down and your guy falling over and me throwing it down on you with Shaq. Like, yes. Give me more of that. That's great. Or Dwight Howard cleaning up that Rashard Lewis miss, miss when I was playing you when we were doing the Magic Raptors matchup. And Dwight Howard comes down with it, brings the ball down, and then just goes up and throws it down hard on two players. Like, that is something Dwight Howard would do. At that point in his career, Dwight Howard would be doing that. Um, so it's stuff like that. It's like Jermir Nelson, you know, getting in between the seams and me, you know, kicking it out to a wide open Richard Lewis and him, um, you know, splashing a three. That is something you would see that you would see that play happen in real life. So there's definitely that element of awesomeness when it's something that you could see really happen. And the other interesting thing is, is because I know we're not trying to, to bash live 10 here, but obviously the animations in that game, less variety or, or less realism in the, the dunk animations and, and rim interactions than a, a more modern live or even a modern 2K game. But it, the way it felt, it was, it was such a realistic scenario compared to some of the scenarios we still see in 2K21 that even if it doesn't look as good as far as the animation quality or variety, just the, that idea of a player making that quick uh, right-to-left dribble and rising up for the facial, the one-handed you know, dunk in someone's face... The, it, even though it doesn't necessarily look as good as a, as a modern game, the, the feel, it felt better than some of the situations. It felt less canned, even, even though it is canned, make, but still. Yeah, that's the point I'm trying to make, though, is, you know, what do I want, okay? Do I want a play where I drive to the hoop and the game decides what happens? And it's either like a canned block or somebody warps over to me and blocks it, or it's a poster, but the guy warps into my body for the poster. I've seen a lot of that yeah. um, in newer 2K games. Or do I want it to feel more organic where I made the right move? I'm not being sucked in to the defender. He's not being sucked into me and I finish. Right. So there's a huge difference between those two. And I think that's also where NBA Live 19 failed in many ways is there seemed to be way too much being sucked in like canned animations when you drove to the hoop and you'd go into this wild shot that you didn't intend to take 
that the game kind of put you into and the ball would be just chucked up towards the hoop and then it would go in and you'd be like, I don't even feel good about this. Like this, this drive, and those went in a lot in live 19, the wild drives. And it's like, this game forced me to take this shot that I didn't want to take and I got rewarded for it. And it's just a really weird feeling. So one thing that I really enjoyed, um, even with 2K12 tubies, there's not a lot of like sucking in on that. Like sucking, when I say sucking in people, I'm talking about like canned animations or just being like sucked into your defender and vice versa. It, it felt like we were playing basketball, right? And that's what you want it to feel like. You want to feel like you're playing basketball. So that's, it, was, it, was, it was nice. I think the key word there is organic because, again, there's only so much that a, a game can do without fully realistic physics. Uh, you are going to have some... Even, even, every game has, has canned animations or canned moments to a certain extent because game, basketball games, to this point at least, have to be programmed a certain way with the technology that's available. But the key, the key word there and the, and the key factor in what makes a highlight in, on the virtual hardwood entertaining is the feeling that it's organic. The feeling that you were in control, the feeling that you, know, that you made that happen, that it's something that you would see in real life. Uh, it, it, you can't downplay the importance of that feel and the satisfaction that you have. So that, that definitely is a key ingredient to, to, to a highlight standing out. Because look, we can all get, get a player that has a great dunk package in a recent game and trigger a, an awesome dunk. And, and it looks cool. And sometimes it feels good as well. But if it feels kind of phony... Uh, if if there's no context to it, if it's if it certainly doesn't look very realistic, say uh, say you have a player that triggers a uh, a dunk animation that they couldn't get from you know the, the rocket dunks and the warping dunks and things like that, you can go back to NBA Live 07 and see how warping dunks and warping layups and things like that, those animations that it just kind of snaps into because it doesn't really have a contextual animation for where you are on the floor at that time. You can see how that really ruins the flow of the game, how it. It, it doesn't look visually appealing, but it doesn't feel good either because it just doesn't feel very natural. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that um, I think that's where NBA Live Ten has such an advantage over in that capacity uh, over even some of the newer titles. Uh, I think it's also one of the reasons why we're drawn to NBA Two K Seventeen because it's the game where we felt like we may, you know, have the most control on last gen on the PS Four Xbox One. Uh, Jen, because on 2K17, sure, there's brick wall defense, but you don't have a lot of canned animations. The the dribbling feels sound. Um, it feels tight. It, it it feels like you're in control of the dribbling. Um, it doesn't feel rushed like the newer 2Ks. Like the dribbling looks like at a more realistic pace. Uh, you don't have the being sucked in to players constantly in that game sir sometimes it happens in the paint it does happen a little bit more than that happens say in like live 10 but it doesn't happen as much but i think that's also like i said you know the same reasons why we're enjoying nba live 10 right now is a lot of the same reasons why we enjoy 2k17 i think you could agree with that i think that's fair i, I do think so and unexpected unpredictable it, it's difficult to do it, it's, it's one of those things where games have to have some pretty good smoke and mirrors to hide the seams, hide the strings, hide the inner workings, if you will. Uh, because w w when we see something, players sliding into position or the warping animations, that's when it, it takes you out of it. And it, it's funny that recent games have, have really been poorer at, sh at hiding their mechanics sometimes and hiding the uh, hiding them behind the, the smoke and mirrors, to use that phrase. 
it's funny that they're doing a poorer job of uh, of that than earlier games. Yeah, I, I think foot planning is the one that's the most surprising to me is how mm. far back that fell, um, especially starting with 2K18 because the foot planning was really good in 2K14, um, 15, 16, and 17. But yeah, you know, you know, going back to highlights, like you know, we were talking about like what makes a great highlight. I think one of the 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 number one things is is that it needs to feel and look organic um and there needs to be a lot of times there needs to be some semblance of challenge right and i think i think like a good example of that is like one of the highlights that was on the top 10 was a play where my brother and i were playing on the same team and we were in a drafted season on 2k17 and we got and it was actually all three of us playing on the same team Nick got the rebound. He outletted it to Mark. Mark get, passed it to me, and we did a give-and-go to fake out the computer on the fast break, and then he threw an alley-oop to end the play, and I finished it on the opposite side of the basket of the defender. There was an element of challenge there, right? We had to overcome the obstacle of that defense, and we had to work together, and I think those are the best highlights in my opinion, to watch. And, and you don't have to be just on another human's team. It can be like the Larry Nance dunk in the top 10 where what was his challenge? His challenge was a defender, a big in the paint, who was about to try to go up and block him. And he had to make the right pass to get Larry Nance the ball, and then he had to challenge the defender at the hoop. I think it's plays like that that are the best, the organic ones. And of course, just like real highlights, context is important unpredictability, rarity. I mean, you look at the, the game we played, again, the all-time Celtics versus the all-time Bulls in the, the fantasy team's mode, when I hit that clutch three with Lowell Dang. If that's not a winding down the shot clock and, and getting it to him at the last second and making that, uh, that shot clock beating three-pointer from the corner to extend my lead, then it's just a corner three. And it's, it's a nice shot. It's, it's a successful shot. But without that context, a, a shot by itself, even if it's a reasonably difficult shot or a challenging shot as a three-pointer being a lower percentage shot, for example, without that kind of context, it's not as special. And rarity also counts, especially with basketball games, because there is a finite amount of animations that you can have. When something really wacky happens, uh, like if there's a, a weird tip-in animation from the free-throw line or something, a, a long tap, or I've, I've seen that before where, where players have kind of... The, the game has kind of produced a again, a seemingly organic situation that you, you don't see it unless everything just goes right, kind of like in real life, when it stands out, when it's just not another three-pointer or just another dunk on the break. I mean, certainly those plays are good, and I'm sure they'll make some of our top tens when they're particularly uh, impressive dunks and whatnot, but it is the context, the context of tough defense, the context of rarity, of difficulty, of, of, of something that you just don't see that often, just like in real life. It's, it's that rarity and the uniqueness and, and a situation, and of course the importance of the situation that makes the highlights stand out. So it's not just, oh, this is my player making a jump shot, or even this is my player making a dunk, although dunks tend to get higher uh, consideration in any kind of <laughs> countdowns because dunks are awesome. But yeah, being able to have something that's very unique on the virtual hardwood because the games are have a certain amount of scripting and finite animations, but when something that you just don't see very often comes together... It's cool, and, and that's why I'm sure there's a lot of times over the years that you and I have been playing on, on platforms where we haven't been able to record video where we wish, man, I, had a, I wish I had a video of that. 
Oh my god. I mean, I wish I had gone back to PC gaming earlier, to be honest with you. Um, I will say this. That's why buzzer beaters and game winners are always great, because of the context, right? So the mellow play by itself on 2K12 I thought was still pretty good, but the fact that it was a buzzer beater added to it. Um, the buzzer beater by Larry Bird um, from the NBA 2K19 retro rosters that was submitted by Stildo, that by itself is just a fadeaway in the post by Larry Bird. But when you add the fact that it's a fadeaway in the post uh, by Larry Bird that won the game, that changes everything. So same thing with Sticky Fingers highlight, um, Bill Russell Tippin, um, minus the amazing post effects, the black and white that he put on the video, uh, which is just an unbelievable touch. Uh, the amazing CBS scoreboard. Uh, he's been, I believe it was the CBS scoreboard. He's just been great at creating scoreboards. He created a Fox Sports one, et cetera. Um, so good job by him. But th- that that would just be a tip-in by Bill Russell, right? With some cool post effects. But the fact that it was a, a game winner changes everything. So yeah, game winners, um, like you say, rare animations that you don't see all the time, like the Vern Fleming throw it to himself alley-oop jam on the fast break, which faked out the defender, stuff like that. Um, is extra special, and that that obviously makes great highlights, just like in real life, like stuff that you just don't see that often. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to say, though, I don't think my favorite game is that game. I don't think it was the Bulls-Celtics all-time game. Um, I really liked uh, that Raptors-Magic matchup that we did, and as much as you probably weren't a fan of using the Bobcats, I'm going to be honest, that was kind of fun playing using the golden state warriors with rookie baby Steph Curry and against you with that Bobcats team and seeing those Bobcats jerseys and seeing those, those faces. Um, I mean, I did that to myself. I chose the Bobcats. You didn't make me choose the Bobcats. That's that's on me. You chose them, uh, which was, and and you know why the race day uniforms just simply for that, for the ridiculousness of that race day uniforms with the, with the, with the racing stripe on them. Yeah, I mean, it was still like, but there's something special about matchups like that. And like you say, it's almost like classic NBA for us now. So um, it's really cool to visit those times and those teams and and whatnot. But yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying the top tens. Let us know um, and send us your highlights. And again, please, if you need a video recording uh, software, highlight recording software, and you have 20 bucks, buy action. Because it's just amazing for me. So uh, it's just, it's, it's awesome. One final point I want to talk about this week, uh, because it's something that we've been throwing around, is obviously we use the fantasy teams mode in NBA Live 10. It's the old uh, custom teams, or a new twist on the old custom teams feature. It was called Quick Pick Play in 08 and 09, as I said. Uh, What an awesome feature, uh, as we were talking about earlier, but it's a real shame we don't see modes like that anymore because they don't make money, obviously. Uh, The fantasy modes these days are my team, ultimate team, where you... Uh, have to earn players, pay for them, as the case may be. It's 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 a shame we don't we don't see modes like that, and we're unlikely to see it because I still think they'd work today. I still think they could work with lo- local multiplayer. I still think they could work in an online capacity as well. Just um, just being able to pick some players like that from a pool and and be able to to challenge other people online or, or locally, it, it would still work. But unfortunately, it it's probably doesn't have the popularity to really justify it or to and certainly it doesn't make any recurrent revenue so well, probably not and if you did add those mechanics to it it would probably completely ruin the mode you know have to pay vc to unlock these players first that's probably how they do it these days which is a is a real shame 
but what an awesome feature and, and you go back to games like that and which is why i loved going back to games for way back wednesday and not just doing the retrospectives of the games but also these features and, and i have talked about fantasy teams and quick pick play before what a useful feature for fantasy modes and being able to set up these scenarios obviously for my articles or even videos i mean imagine we could use that if we wanted to do a what if situation uh, to do a video for to explore a, an nba what if for example you can just very easily put it together using uh, using fantasy teams and you do have to do a little bit of roster editing because you can't change jersey numbers and some, you can't pick players that are in the free agents so sometimes you have to uh, do a little bit of roster editing but you don't have to completely change the rosters each and every time because you can just take the players and uh, I actually had a recent one where I redid the 2003 Mavericks with Michael Red against the 2003 Lakers and there's eight players not 10 but eight players in the still in NBA Live 10 for both of those teams but I was able to play that what if scenario mostly by using the fancy teams with only a few changes just to make sure some jersey numbers were right just for my own accuracy and to get screenshots of them but it saved so much time compared to having to do a bunch of roster editing and it also means i don't have to change the rosters even further that much to make other scenarios what what a useful feature for fun and content creation and it's a shame we don't see it it would be amazing for online play today yeah i think that feature would get used like crazy uh but i don't think people really enjoy online head-to-head because of the way it works and you and i certainly had a terrible experience for the most part when we tried it uh, newsflash to people, Parsec seems to work better than all of that. So <laughs> that's just the that's just the way it seems. I, I'm a big fan of Parsec right now. Um, I also want to say that I think it's amazing that NBA Live 10 is suddenly your new kick. And it's funny how we get on, on kicks like that. It is. Where we'll revisit. I got on that kick a while back with NBA 2K10 uh, when I first installed it again on my PC. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can the atmosphere on this game is great, and i got to get Matt Maloney's portrait in there for this retro roster because it's missing. So I went through all this like big you know, learning experience of how to open up the portraits and insert my own portraits, and I got Matt Maloney's portrait in there, and I thought it was amazing. And I'm playing this game just absolutely constantly. I started uploading YouTube videos of the Wizards Jordan versus the Mavericks and, and stuff like that, and it's just crazy how you get on these kicks, right? And I and I think that's the t- but I th- I think that means that there was something special about the game. I agree. I think it's a testament to the game and the qualities, certain qualities that the game had. So I always know if I'm if I'm on a kick and I'm revisiting a game and I'm actually spending that much time on it, whether it's learning to mod it or play it or whatnot, I know that there's something about the game that gets me. Oh, definitely. Right? Definitely. And I think it also, and and we touched on this earlier when we were talking about how much or how little rather we played NBA Live 10 back in the day, when you didn't spend a lot of time with a game and you can develop that new appreciation for it and you go back and it's with fresh eyes and no more expectations, you know what you're going to get, that's when it can surprise you. And I I believe we've touched on this in a previous episode, how revisiting these games it can be such a new experience because we don't we no longer have the expectations of oh this is the new title we need it to be better than the last game we've been waiting for this anticipating it through the previous season that's all gone we know what we're getting for the most part sometimes we realize that games were better than we thought uh, if nothing else we, it can't really disappoint us anymore that's the great thing about revisiting games they can't disappoint us that much. They can impress us in ways. If, if we, we see things that we didn't really appreciate at the time, if we didn't spend a lot of time with them for one reason or another, it's why NBA Live 06 on 360 became my retro kick for a while, being able to experience that game and 
and spend some time with it and develop a new appreciation for it that I didn't have before because I was mostly playing the PC version, which is in many ways the superior product, but nevertheless. But that's how it's been with Live 10. We've, we know what we're getting, um, but yet we've seen some things that we didn't know we were getting before, which is cool. Yeah, one thing that bugs me about that game is constant falling for upfakes, but like the computer constantly doing that and and how easy sometimes it is to drive. And, and we both talked, I mean, there's, there's issues with live 10 too. Sure. Like that place where you kicked it to Luol Deng in the corner and Rashid Wallace was so slow to move. Sometimes it's just so slow to move on defense. I couldn't contest you. So I ended up kind of like on the side of you. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it exposes some new flaws. If you revisit a game or flaws, you may have forgotten about and you're True. like, Oh, this sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. but then also you get, you get, uh, in our, in our case, you, you get a greater appreciation for things and you even learn new things about the gameplay. Um, I've definitely gotten a lot more comfortable since we've been playing it. And I got to say, I wish I had spent more time with it Same. when it first came out. So the good thing is, is that we have the technology, um, and the ways and means to, to play those games now. And I, I just think it's great that it's your new kick. Because you and I actually have that in common in a big way where we just like we get on these kicks and that's and both of us got on that live 10 kick at the same time. So that benefited both of us. It, it really it really does. And look, I'm, I'm actually still playing 2K21 next gen. I do play my team in 2K21 next gen still and have been playing the current season in, in that mode. So it's not like I don't still play the current game for content creation purposes or indeed my own enjoyment because i don't just play it just to force myself to play it i mean look what happened with 2k18 when i got sick of that game and felt i couldn't play it anymore i stopped playing it so 2k21 does still have my attention but i also like retro gaming kicks i I can go back and forth does it mean that i sometimes forget controls for one or the other absolutely that's the way it goes as we when you uh, when you switch between games either in a session or different sessions as, as the case may be but no, I, I do love that it is a retro gaming kick at the moment. I, I've created some Wayback Wednesday content based on Live 10. Once my kick, I've been I've got the Elgato out and I've been doing, recording some footage, been recording, I take some screenshots rather as well. And I, I've created some content that will be coming out in the coming weeks. I'm excited to share that with people. It's also combined NBA history and video game history as well, which is really nice. And as we said last week, it, it does combine, again, Interactive Almanacs, it does combine that passion for NBA history and memories of the NBA at that time, uh, the double the double kick of nostalgia, the double hit of nostalgia, both virtual hardwood and real basketball. Yeah, it's great when you can look back at that stuff and, and it makes you appreciate your almost like your own knowledge for basketball too because you like go through these rosters and you're like, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> I remember this guy on the bench. I remember this, this guy, this 12th man. Um, you know, I remember even sometimes how he played in the game or how he shot and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, it just takes you back. And or, it's or really cool. so, sorry to interject, or I totally forgot he played for them. That's cool too. Yeah, at a time you get that too. You're like, oh, wait a minute, he's on this team. Um, I think that 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 happened to me actually with Mo Williams at one point where he was like, wait a minute, he's on he was on Utah. Mm. Uh, Very he, early I on. Think yeah. Like, yeah, for like. It was like the early 2000s, I want to say, or something like that. Yep. Uh, I can't remember what game I was looking at. And he played like 46 or 48 games or something like that with Utah. I can't remember. Oh, three um, or four, I think, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when. But anyway, he wore number five for them. But um, it's kind of weird that I remember that. But 
yeah, you know, we talk about revisiting games and not getting the right impression and not to deter, you know, people. Because, remember, I played a fun game against a computer on Live 2001 recently, but, you know, we we threw on NBA Live 2001 and Live 2002, and they have not aged as well. Um, and there were some issues that we were having as far as control and and whatnot. And, you know, then we went back and played NBA Live 98, and it aged better. So it's, it's very yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very strange. And and that goes back to my point earlier. So we're all circling, circling back. Uh, control is so important. And even if mechanics and like maybe it has less animations and the mechanics are um, technically supposed to be inferior, uh, you know, on NBA Live 98, we're not running out of bounds as much. Right. That's right. We don't yeah. have you. Know, we don't have ridiculous charging calls as much. We don't have. Um, dribbling that feels like you don't have as much control when you gain momentum, uh, et cetera. The, sh- the shooting um, doesn't feel any worse. So, like, you know, we went back to NBA Live 98, and it was a cleaner experience where we felt like we had more control. Sure, the game is three or four years older than at LUM 2001 and 2002, but does that mean that technically the gameplay is better or more fun on Live 2001 and 2002? I don't know. I think it's debatable. And it also depends. Some games are better multiplayer than others. And we are dealing with a unique situation with Parsec, but I do think those games 2001, 2002, because they did rewrite the game from scratch, they, they changed the code base over with that game, it did have some teething problems on that on that uh, new system. And, and this also underscores another point that we've made on this episode and in my articles and previous episodes and, and on social media as well. You and I have both talked about this because it's a, uh, a topic that's very near and dear to our heart for both video games and real basketball is that new isn't always better and we brought this up on this show again this week again because it's not and it's not just a case of old nostalgia for the 90s and early 2000s over today you go back to the golden age of nba live and we hit 2001 and 2002 and no they weren't better than 2000 or or 99 or 98 so even in the golden age a couple of games here and there and, and you can go back to the history of 2k as well i'm sure that certain games went in a bad direction. Maybe they tried something that didn't pan out. Maybe they had new technology that wasn't fully developed yet, wasn't quite ready. So it's it's not just a case of hating everything today and loving everything old. Throughout history, there has been, uh, the history of, of video games, there have been missteps with these annual releases. It's just the way it goes. It's not just video games either. It's outside of outside of video games too it's in real life sometimes things do decline or they regress because of bad decisions or bad practices over time and and whatnot i I will go to my grave saying that nba live 2000 plays better yeah than live 2001 and live 2002 um i think it's overall a better game uh a lot less um frustrations um with that game and the pc version is just stellar for nba live 2000 it's just an amazing release so, yeah, you know, and, and that's not to deter anybody who enjoys Live 2001 or Live 2002. Like I said, I had a pretty fun game against the computer on Live 2001. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't think it has more issues than some other basketball titles. The, the mechanics of that game, and we talked about this last week, is it's the mechanics of some games lend themselves better to playing over Parsec than others with the way their animations and the delays are. Uh, so... That that is a, that is a problem with 2001. I also enjoy 2001 a little bit more when I'm playing against the CPU or, or somebody locally as well. It, it really does underscore that point about how, how newer isn't always better, and it's it's not something again. It, it's not us versus not it's not today versus the 90s or early 2000s. It's 
there's been missteps here and there throughout the history of video games and, and as you say, software development and other aspects of uh, real basketball and other things in the world. It's, it's just the way it is. Sometimes it's a backward step. And uh, when that happens, you hope that the next step is uh, a big step forward. But as we look forward, obviously we're going to be playing some more of NBA Live 10, I would say, being our retro gaming kick of the, uh, of the month and, and possibly for a while longer as well. What, what kind of ideas do you have? Because I've um, I brought the fantasy team's idea to the table, and I'm smugly proud of that. Uh, but uh, what, are the, what, what are the fun ideas? Have you got anything brewing? There's just a lot. These are the mods. There's a lot of ideas. I'd love to get NBA 2K19 working mm. uh, really well over Parsec, because it doesn't work as good as Live 10, um, to the point where we can maybe replay the 92, 93, uh, excuse me, the 1993 finals. Like, maybe, you know, me using the Suns and you using the Bulls and, you know, maybe replaying one of the games in the series and then posting those highlights. I think that'd be really cool. Um, or maybe even going back further, uh, because I just love that roster, those rosters. But even going back further and maybe doing Jazz Lakers, um, Game 7, in like 1988 or something. Uh, like, stuff like that would be just really fun. Uh, you know, like kind of like what we did with the 2010 finals when yeah. we did the Lakers. No, I, 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 I like scenarios. That's, yeah, that's actually my favorite game that we played. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and uh, the whole um, championship trophy in the middle for the finals court, the finals atmosphere. You know, kicking it out to KG for some mid-range shots. Uh, you driving in from the perimeter with Kobe. Like, I, I think that might be my favorite game that we played. Um, so yeah, scenario stuff like that. Um, you know, you could always do fantasy matchups and like we did like on NBA live 10, where we did like all time teams. That's always open to do just, it's a little bit harder to put together on other games Mm. that don't have that feature. Um, but there's just, there's so many possibilities. There's so many great mods. NBA 2k 12, 2k 13, 2k 14 have just amazing mods. The NBA uh, 2K11 uh, that I have installed has the 91-92 mod in it, so we could do something with that, which would be wicked fun. Um, maybe replay Jordan's 6-3s game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or something like that. Yeah, there's just there's, I, there's, just, there's too many possibilities. We, we, we would never run out. It's, uh, it's funny. I can tell you from, you're from New England because you use the word wicked as an uh, adjective. I use wicked all the time. Yeah, yeah, wicked, wicked. Um, people around here say "dude" quite a bit, um, but "wicked" is definitely a New England thing. Sh- shout so. out to uh, shout out to John to Jasmine because, of course, he's from uh, the same area and he'd, uh, he'd use it as well. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I love I love the idea of scenarios. It's been really fun to play with you. It's again, it's it's always a very sporting game, very clean game. Uh, I think a game that represents the uh, the sport of basketball, real and virtual, very well. Uh, I do feel very proud of what we've done with that respect. Uh, I am partial to that all-time teams game because I managed to uh, finally pick up a win with that, so it's it's kind of special to me. But I, I do think, yes, the, the Lakers and Celtics match, because it was that first uh, concept that we had and we were able to have, as you said, that presentation, the, the, fi- the great finals presentation that was in NBA Live 10, we were able to put that together and, and replay a scenario and, and change history to a result that perhaps you and I might have liked a little bit more, with apologies to our uh, Lakers fans who are listeners. Yeah, uh, I don't even really want to talk about what happened against the Lakers where the Celtics were up by like 15 points in the third quarter in the elimination game. And then I just had this pit in my stomach. I was like, there's something going to happen. That's There's something wrong. Like, I, I just feel like we're going to lose this lead. And we did. 
uh, and then we ended up losing the game. So, yes, I say we as the Celtics, as much as I don't like the NBA now and I don't, you know, I can't stand watching it. Uh, I grew up probably like Josh Mamies. I know he was a Celtics fan, too. Um, but I grew up being a diehard Celtics fan, never missing a game. And, you know, for the 2010 finals, um, up until that point, I was still a huge Celtics fan and just watching them constantly and whatnot. So that was a that series was a big deal for me. Um, and like I said, I just had a feeling they were going to lose, and they did, and it was just kind of sad. It's, it's funny how you kind of get that feeling as a sports fan, that you just that, that gut feeling. Something just doesn't seem right. Yeah, something doesn't seem right. Like, you get this gut feeling, you're like, wait a minute, this is too good to be true. Um, I don't like the body language. Um, I feel like, you know, the, the other team is, you know, equipped for a run, or this guy got rest. Like, I just had this feeling. Like this gut feeling that we were going to lose, and we did. And again, I'll say, yeah, I was wicked sad about that. <laughs> in uh, in basketball games, we call it the comeback logic, and we see it coming too. But uh, that's a that's a story for another time. But computer assistance setting, you oh, did yeah. a whole thing on that. I did. But uh, yes, that has been a fun week with uh, with basketball gaming. We're going to have some more to talk about, and it's fun to talk more positively because obviously we'll share our criticisms of the current games and even the games that we're revisiting, Derek. But you know, it's it's fun to just we're supposed to have fun with these games, so it's been nice to, to to have that fun and to get on here and uh and to reminisce about it. Nothing beats being able to throw a game on, video game on, a basketball game on, know exactly what you're getting into, and just playing loose. I just it, that's why it's been fun. It's like it reminds me of weekend games when we my brothers and I have weekend basketball gaming nights. We Mark comes over. Nick already lives with me. Mark comes over. He sits in the chair that he always sits in. Nick's in his location. I'm in my location. We throw on 2K17. We know exactly what we're getting into. We know what teams we're going to use, you know, what players we're going to use, what season we're going to jump into, etc. And it's just absolute loose, fun games. And that's the way it is every week. Um, and every weekend, and and sure, we have we have times where it's competitive, where we have to think, you know, where we've gotten into an argument before. It doesn't happen often, but we do. We got into an argument before, but overall, it's just loose, fun gameplay, and that's the way it should be. What what a shame that there's no two player mode in Bart versus the Space Mutants. We could play that over the emulator. What a shame. I want a point about something. We don't need to restrict this just to basketball video games. If you get to the point where, obviously, we can't do Bart versus the Space Mutants, but you get to the point where you want to throw on some Contra or maybe Donkey Kong Country 1, maybe throw that on and, you know, swap with Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, because you can't have Donkey Kong Country without Donkey Kong. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, um, you, you've got the two-player co-op and uh, competitive modes in Donkey Kong Country. That, right. was, the, that was the game that right. came to my mind, too, yeah. Right. So, I mean... There's a lot of different things. See, this is the thing, people. With Parsec, the options are, and opportunities are endless. I have all the emulators working for Andrew and I. I even got PlayStation 1 working as well. And, you know, we're able to jump on. And basically, we can play anything we want. Because he's playing it off of my desktop, and I have the controllers pr- um, configured uh, properly. He doesn't need to own the game. So, pretty awesome. I, I just, I, there's so many different opportunities for gaming. So yes, we will be setting up some more scenarios and having some more fun on the virtual hardwood and with some other games. But now we turn the show over to our listeners with the mailbag segment, Derek. 
Oh, super exciting. I, I know that we had uh, a few questions in the bag, actually, and I don't even know which ones you chose. So this is going to be interesting for okay. me. Um, so thank you to our listeners for submitting them. Going to, uh, going to surprise you with these questions. But uh, the first one comes from the Bebo Pundit at Bebo Pundit on Twitter. Thank you very much for submitting the questions and topics for the uh, previous shows as well. Asks, have either of you looked into RetroArch on Xbox Series and emulating older basketball games in 4K? It's possible on retail now. Uh, I don't have an Xbox, or I have a 360, but I don't have a more recent Xbox, so I can't take advantage of those uh, those features. I don't have an Xbox, active Xbox Live subscription for the 360 either these days. I'm just exclusively, well, not exclusively on PlayStation, because I do go back and play the 360 and PC and other platforms as well, but as far as uh, recent consoles, I have a PlayStation 5 and nothing else. Uh, you do have a new Xbox, uh, Derek. Uh, have you looked into that, RetroWatch? I haven't. I've heard of it. I, I haven't looked into it. Um, but now that he's recommended it, I'll definitely take a look. Um, also, I wanted to ask you really quick, uh, before we even continue answering that question, did you get your wired controller yet? I haven't picked it up yet, no. But I've been looking at some of my other controllers. Cause I believe I do have a wired connection, a uh, wired uh, controller, rather, uh, somewhere in my uh, in my collection. So I'm trying to find it. Yeah, you got to get that Xbox. I, I really recommend the Xbox 360 Rock Candy one that just plugs in USB if you get a chance. And I, and I wanted to bring that up for listeners as well. Um, the, you, the PCs, windows PCs just automatically recognize the Xbox 360 controller and it just works amazing for emulators, steam, uh, et cetera. I use an Xbox one wireless with a wireless transmitter plugged into USB, but both work great. Uh, but I was, I've been trying to get Andrew to get one, but yeah, no, I don't know anything, um, about retro arch really. Uh, but it sounds interesting, so I'll definitely have to take a look at it. So I'm just looking into it now, Derek. Uh, so RetroArch is a front-end for emulators, game engines, and media players. Right, reading this off RetroArch.com. It enables you to run classic games on a wide range of computers and consoles through its slick graphical interface. Settings are also unified, so configuration is done once and for all. In addition to this, you are able to run original game discs, CDs, from RetroArch. RetroArch has advanced features like shaders, netplay, rewinding, next frame response times, run-ahead, machine translation, blind accessibility features, and more. So, yeah, this could definitely be a way to, to replay older games on uh, on systems that will uh, be, allow video capture and media capture, which is the big thing with older games. I mean, I've still got all my original consoles, but emulators are often, undisputedly rather, better for getting, the, uh, getting video and screenshots. So... It's saying that you can record in high quality. And what what's the game selection? So it's saying a variety, right? Yeah. So what so what exactly does that include? Does it does it say and what and what platforms can I use it on? So I'm looking at this uh, at, at, the, at the side, and it says that you get cores for for, for various uh, platforms. So some of them, do you do need the BIOS, as, as is the case for a lot of emulators. You need to dump the BIOS at, at some point to, uh, to be able to run the games. Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely have to check it out. It, as you know, I'm really interested in this stuff, um, especially from a capture standpoint. Uh, I like the setup that I currently have, uh, but like you said, um, it kind of adds a whole new dimension if you can use that um, on a console. And it sounds like that's how that works. So it definitely adds a new uh, a new dimension. And, and like we talked about before, it's interesting that there's not more official emulation. Again, especially with PlayStation, although we, I think we know why. 
when we went back into the, when those you know, comments. There's a place, yeah. I want to bring this up, actually. You know, there's a, and this is for the ball pun dinner and whatnot as well. If, I don't know if you guys looked into this, but there actually is a PlayStation 4 emulator that's out there ready to download that works for some games. Um, and, is it in beta or? Well, here's the problem. Um, it's in beta, yes, but it still works with some games. Um, I was going to jump on this. I got wicked excited. I think I told you about this um, briefly, but I was going to download it. And I was going to see, because as you know, I own the physical copy of NBA Live 16 for PlayStation 4. I have like NBA Live 19. I have NBA Live 15, etc. And I was going to download it and be like, Andrew, listen, we got to play a game of Live 16. And it would have been fun to record those highlights. So I went to download the PlayStation 4 emulator and it makes me have to, and it's, it's legit. It's like ps4mu.com or something like that. And it's not like a scam site, but I think the way they're, they're getting support for this project is by doing like these link surveys and ads and stuff. So like you go in to download it and it says, finish this, you know, five minute survey or whatever, mm. or two minute survey in order to get the download link and it turned me off. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm not chancing it, etc. But from everything I'm reading, it's legit that there is a PlayStation 4 emulator in beta um, that you can download and it will play some games. But how cool would that have been for us to oh, be able to get that? Absolutely. And play Live 16 and whatnot. Because, so. because obviously Live 16, when the servers were up, we could have, well, we'd have to be on the same platform to do it, but we could play it. But once these servers go down, these are the only ways that you can play these games online again. Right, that's, and that's the thing. And also, who says it would have worked great? Right. So, I mean, like the fact that we have Parsec now. So, so. I'm, I'm just reading here uh, in the uh, fact, can I play PS2 or PS1 games while PS2's RetroArch is running? Uh, the PS2 version of RetroArch supports a limited number of cores. There are currently no PS1 or PS2 cores. So they're obviously still working out a few things. And, and some of that architecture is difficult to emulate. It's why even with the PS2 emulator that we have out there, which is a pretty good one, but it does have some problems with some games or it, it doesn't display certain textures properly or there's a bit of a frame rate issue sometimes uh, because the PS2's architecture was uh, quite difficult to emulate. It's very unique. I mean, we put on um, another game that I obviously, I'd like I own the physical copy. I think I showed a screenshot of this. Um, but we put on, I want to say it was NBA Live 2004. And no, it was Live, was it Live 2004? We, we no, tried, Live 2002. We, we tried both. Uh, Which, yeah. Oh, on um, PS2? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, the court was dark. Like the there was like a texture issue. With I, it. I think it might have uh, been 06. I think that one might have been 06. Oh, yeah, it was 06. It was 06. Yeah, so we put on NBA Live 06, um, which both of us own the physical copy of that, too. Um, and the court was, like, dark, like, way darker than it is in real life. And it had, like, some texture issues. I have the same thing with, like, NBA Shootout 2004. But, like you say, it's it's hard to emulate. So you expect issues with some games. Um, but, boy, Live 10 is perfect, right? Boy, we're playing that game. And 2K12 was, too. On that mm, PlayStation that's pretty good. emulator, boy, they they both were so clean, like they look great. They've so. been the most playable ones so far for sure. <laughs> so that's kind of been the uh, the options that we've had. But it's yeah, we'll have to look into this. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at other information here. It's definitely worth checking out, I think. And the fact that it's available on uh, multiple platforms as well, uh, including uh, including Mac, is uh, is something that I think is going to appeal to people. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, and I'll try to report back on a future prod- podcast after checking it out and whatnot. Uh, I'm always looking for stuff like that. If anybody has more information on the PlayStation 4 emulator, please, if you get your hands on it and you're able to get past that survey and you want to give it a try, please let me know like how it works. Because that would add a, another new di- a whole new dimension again to content creation for Andrew and I. Because I'll tell you what, another game that I'd probably put on to record with Parsec is like Live 19. I know the servers are still up, but it would still be cool to just do it on my PC and you know take the take the highlights with action and whatnot. So the audio, definitely the, let us know. The, it's the captures already there. Obviously, all the, the captured uh, media is already on the PC to work with. So it's a again convenience when it comes down to it. Right, and I do have an Elgato. I've, 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 I used to do a ton of NBA Live 19 gameplay, um, so I'm not opposed to doing that either, using the Elgato and jumping on with a game with you, but there's just a, it's a different element for some reason on PC. Like, I just really enjoy it on PC, being able to do that stuff. Definitely. Actually, I forgot to mention an issue with my Elgato that I... I again, it was my fault. I, I noticed that some of my Xbox 360 screenshots were not uh, not full 1080. They were something like 1,800 times... Uh, a thousand and twenty or something like that and i wondered what was going on and i, I realized i'd left my settings on uh on what i'd set up for playstation 3 to use it for the playstation 3 so i what it wasn't uh, configured for 360 correctly it was still coming through broadcasting but the uh but the resolution wasn't correct it, it was for videos oddly enough but any screenshots were lower so i had to flick that over i might have to take some uh, more screenshots again but uh, let that be a lesson to check your settings before you start recording yeah, another thing too I want to say to those people about if you're still listening about, you know, top 10s and whatnot. If you're going to send highlights, try your best to record them in 60 FPS at all costs. If you if your resolution is at 720, so be it. Um, if it's not 1080 because at least at 60 FPS you get that smooth gameplay. Um, if you're going to submit 30 FPS or lower, um, we will include them. As you noticed in this top 10, there's a couple that are at like 30 FPS, but you're not going to get the same quality and immersion um, from something under 60 FPS. So that's another reason why I recommend action, but try it all means to, you know, by all means, try to get it at 60 FPS. So thank you to the ball pundit for that question. And we move on to the second question this week, which is from Sega Geek Navare in the forum asks, how would you feel if 2K released some kind of anniversary or NBA 2K Classic release and released on 360 or PS2 Engine for like $30 on next-gen and current-gen consoles? So basically emulating an old uh, classic game. Uh, honestly, cool idea. I'd love to see it because it would be it would make those games more accessible. And this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is, is wanting to have those games uh, accessible, which is why we're such uh, big fans of emulation and re-releases in the, in the store. The problem, of course, Derek, with older basketball games is licensing the players, and uh, we've seen that before. When when t- when um, when games have actually been able to include previous versions, like uh, Live 06 on PS2, we were talking about, uh, has NBA Live 95 in it. Yeah, I think the licensing is the biggest hurdle because obviously the technology can handle it, um, and it's not really that much of a question as if it will catch on because I think when you go into a project like that where you release an older title that's inferior um, in certain ways or you don't think that the youth are going to grab onto it because maybe they they don't know about it or, or the graphics are, are not going to catch them. They, they care more about the graphics and the gameplay, etc. That's more of a, a uh, 
more of a brand promotion, I would say, um, than thinking that they're necessarily going to make a mo- lot of money off of that specific release of an older title. So I, I would that's the way I would look at it. I, I don't think that a lot of companies do this. I think a lot of companies wouldn't do this anyway just for the fact that um, they know that they wouldn't make a lot of money off of it. I think retro sports gaming is very niche. I mean, it's, it's, we love it, exactly. obviously. And that, that is the big problem. You, you look at the second-hand market, unless a game is is particularly rare, like a, a college basketball game or, or Disney sports basketball or something like that, they don't sell for a lot of money. If you try and trade in an annual release at a, a physical store, those are still things, but if you try and trade them in at places that will accept uh, trade-ins for games, they don't have great value because so many of them are made. Um, unless you are nostalgic as, as we are and can go back and play those old games Again, it's, it's very niche. So, and, and the big problem is indeed licensing. And referring back to NBA Live 95 as it was in uh, NBA Live 06 for PS2. And, and only in the US version was NBA Live 95 included, by the way. It wasn't in the power releases, I can confirm that. But even then they had to rename all the players and make them generic. Like uh, Shaq has been renamed, I believe, to Justin Time. Um, nice little pun there, but and Shaq was still in the league at the time. So that, but even so, they just had to remove all real names. Teams are fine and logos and everything, but they had to rena- uh, remove all real player names again, even for players who were still active as of the 2006 season. So, unfortunately, there's just too many hurdles there. It would be really nice, in particular, if they could bring back some of the NBA Street games, for example, or the NBA Jam games. And but but there are so many legal hurdles there that I, I don't really see them doing it. Um, I think you'd also have to have a better price point than thirty dollars, uh, because that's probably going to be about forty-five, fifty Australian, and I'm probably not going to play that unless it's something's particularly like like it's uh, I, I don't know whether it has fully updated rosters or or some bug fixes or something like that or a, like a, a remastered edition. I, I'm probably not going to spend that much when I have the original games that I can play on hard on the original hardware. Yeah, so you know, the licensing hurdles that. Um... The fact that they wouldn't make a lot of money off of it, uh, I, I think it would be a good, like a gimmick or something to like promote a brand. Like I said before, like EA Sports is back, and you know, remember this. It, maybe they got permission to re-release it as as a full title without with with the licensing. Maybe it's like, hey, this is the game. We're just re-releasing it again for you know Xbox Series X and PS Five. You know, NBA Live's coming back. We want to show you how we started. Here's NBA Live 95, right? Like, I think that would be a good marketing thing, like a brand thing, and maybe it helps promote NBA Live and gets NBA Live, like I talked about on prior episodes, which is so important to get the NBA Live name in people's heads. I think that would work pretty well. But if you have to use generic names and it's not going to be the full game, um, et cetera, I don't see that happening now would i be interested in something like that maybe because it's kind of funny like you said just in time we talked about the fake names in basketball games before or oh, yeah. games like okay college basketball that just had the players numbers and stuff like that but it had the same game but it had um you know fun gameplay well i might i i think i might pick it up i think it'd be fun just to have in the collection maybe 10 15 for the game 20 bucks max i i, I think i would buy it you and I are crazy. I See, mean, that's the thing with yeah. the stuff we're crazy. So. <laughs> I, I know I said before that I probably wouldn't if it was 50 or 60, but if it was some kind of special anniversary edition, 
for the for the collector in me, I, I probably would. I, I think you would have to make it cheaper to make it appealing and and actually sell to the uh, to the basketball gaming masses. But I mean, I, I like the idea. I, I think there's too many legal hurdles in the way. But I, I certainly do like that idea. Again, like you say, NBA Live is coming back. If if they had said, okay, here's Live '95 or here's Live 2000 or or Live 10, you know, if if they had a, an emulated version of that or a remastered version of that some way, then it, it would absolutely be cool. Is it also viable whether they still have the source code lying around? I mean, and what what can they do there as far as, as, far as it was designed? There are definitely some hurdles there, technological and uh, and uh, from a marketing and a licensing standpoint. But I mean, I I think it's a cool idea. It's it's one of those things again, like remastering an NBA Street or something that uh, I'd love to see. And, and 2K could certainly do it. I mean, they've just passed all their major anniversaries, I believe, the 20th and whatnot. So they don't really have a, a round number coming up for a couple of years. But if they do, were to re-release an NBA 2K digitally with there with Allen Iverson on the cover and and something like that, uh, yeah. Somebody brought this up, and I gotta say, this is kind of a cool idea. You can't have the same players that you had in NBA 2K11, right? But how about they remastered NBA 2K11, but with now rosters, but the NBA 2K11 menus in gameplay? Maybe they add a couple tweaks to the graphics or gameplay or whatever, but it's like, it's, it's 2K11. Like, you're playing it, and you're like, this feels like 2K11. I think that would be pretty cool. So you're not running into the licensing issues at that point. Yeah. Because if you're yeah. using NBA K11 um, and it's all, you know, you're making it to updated rosters, then it's just updated rosters. And I do think that that's a pretty cool idea. And I do think that that would actually sell more. Right. Uh, if, if yeah. They yeah. Like, and, and they could include that as I'm getting super excited about this for some reason, <laughs> you know, they could include that as an add-on to a game how cool would that be like okay so here you can and by the way this is what just got me thinking of that so dragon quest yeah i don't know if people are familiar with that i think a lot of people are but it, it, it used to be dragon warrior for nes and now they're dra- it's dragon quest it's an rpg series they released the most recent dragon quest they released a 3d version and a 2d version and the 2d version is like Super Nintendo graphics or NES graphics. And the 3D version is obviously the amazing next-gen graphics. Modern, yeah. But they both, right, right. But they both have the same plot, the same story, um, all of that. So the same characters, um, the same type of enemies, all of that stuff. But they just made a 2D and a 3D version. So how cool would that be is if NBA Live, Scott O'Gallagher, if you're listening, how cool would it be if NBA Live came back and said, hey, you know what? We're going to give you NBA Live 22, but because you're such, you've been such a loyal fan base, we love you, blah, 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 all of that stuff, we'll also give you NBA Live 22, but with the original game's graphics. Mm. Like NBA Live 95s. And, and that's graphics. much more, again... How cool would that be? It, it would be. Yeah, that would be cool. And, and it's more fun, it's more uh more viable as well because as you say that you don't run into those same licensing issues for the players but you still have that authentic experience if it's on pc we can mod it obviously and and and, ch- and turn back the clock ourselves so no i am i think that's that's a more viable idea and again of course if you want to if they wanted to update uh, nba jam on fire edition release re-release a new version of that with updated rosters 
that would sell you know a new, a new jam game just on the on the name alone obviously and on fire edition is a, is a hell of a game to base it on but as as far as having that special anniversary edition of a, of a live or a 2k that current rosters in the in the old setting uh, as a as an add-on feature or, or a pre-order bonus or something because we know how companies love to do that these days and i hate to even throw that idea out there because it would be nice if it was given to us as a as a, as a freebie especially for, for live as, as a loyalty bonus and a thanks for sticking with us and to coming back with us all these years um, a kind of a bonus there but no I, I think that kind of anniversary edition would really work and it, it's it reminds me a little didn't the nhl do something like that or, or they had the, the retro filter and the retro camera mode I think they did. I, I don't know too much about it because I don't play hockey games. The last time I really got into hockey games was NHL 94. There you go. Not to eat myself, but that game... We do anyway. <laughs> really? a lot of, like, yeah, I know, right? Um, I think at the time the Bruins had like Adam Oates or something like that on the team. Like it was, it's, But that was the last time I spent time with a hockey game. So, And before I, that it was ice hockey for NES, which is amazing. I, I know Wayne Gretzky and that's all. <laughs> NHL, yeah, I'm, but... not, I'm not a hockey guy. But no, it's 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 a cool idea. It's it's a cool idea, and if they could find a way to make it work like that with the licensing, and whether it's but, but just to be able to have that retro gameplay, I think is uh, uh, if done well, uh, I think it, it would you'd have to have it at a reasonable price point or as an inclusion with the with the current game, I think. But why not? You know, and it's it's a shame we don't get some of these creative ideas because it's kind of again not to harp on an issue that we've talked about a lot, but it is a, a sad reality is that if it doesn't necessarily make a, make money or a lot of money, then it, or, or if it's not necessarily going to be extremely popular, you know, this is why we don't have modes like fantasy teams anymore and quick, quick pick play because they're not necessarily money makers. So it kind of gets, uh, you really have to have a, a passionate developer that will fight for it and to put it into into the game and, and find a way to either have the suits overlook the fact that some work's going into it or something like that or, or, or whatever. But we we can but hope, but creative ideas. We want to see creative ideas in gaming, and it's it's a shame that sometimes the developers have gone for that safe money making idea. Understandable, but also unfortunate from an artistic standpoint and also a fun standpoint as well. Yeah, I will say this though: that's a great question. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a, that a really great question. So please keep submitting those questions. Um, I obviously got super excited there for a minute, thinking about stuff um, about possibilities and stuff that I might do if I was loaded you know and and i was a decision maker or, or something like that so yeah keep the questions coming that, that that got me all pumped up so thank you once again to both the ball pundit and sega Geek navare absolutely keep those questions coming if you'd like to be involved in the mailbag segment of the nlsc podcast you can send your questions to podcast at mba-live.com or hit us up in the forum the comment section on the podcast posts or on our social media channels which we will be promoting shortly but yes, that has brought us to the end of episode number 376 of the NLC podcast. As always, we thank you for joining us as we talk about basketball video games. The NLC podcast comes out every Sunday on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com, of course. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. Search for NLC podcast and look for our logo on those platforms. That will be us. As long as you're tuning in each and every week and enjoying the show, that is the main thing. So since it is time to promote our social media channels, Derek, where can we find you and any final words this week? Uh, you can find me um, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc., Holding Court with D for free. Uh, we definitely need to record episode 17 at some point. I've just really lost motivation recently because of my issues with the current NBA product. Um, so 
stay tuned for a new episode at some point. Um, you can find me on Twitter at D for 384, where I'm most active. Um, also my new, um, gaming channel on Twitter at D for three G the G stands for gaming. Uh, I'm on YouTube D for three. I've been a lot more active on there recently uploading real NBA, um, top tens and just highlight videos in general for basketball gaming. Uh, you can find me on the NLSC as well. D for three and on Instagram D for three eighty four. As I said at the top of the show, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. YouTube, where we're trying to do some more, thanks to the efforts of Derek, is youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, nba-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So yes, that's all for this week. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>